Romans chapter 12. Uh, This morning we are just going to look at a couple of verses. And uh, when I think of the book of Romans, uh, many months ago when I was thinking about uh, what we need as a church and what I um, know of the book already and what uh, it is for me to think of you all and for us, I thought of this passage as one of the things that would drive me to preach the book of Romans. And so this morning we kind of reach a highlight uh, in our study of the book of Romans. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd just like to read to you the first two verses from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning, and we ask that you would uh, sharpen our minds to receive it, that we would not just be ones that are hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. Uh, God, we do ask for this renewal and transformation, even spoken of in these verses, that that would go on in us today. God, thank you for your love for us and the goodness of the gospel. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, it's an exciting time to live, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it is an exciting time to live. Uh, what's going on in the world that you know about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Book of Revelation. You know, uh, uh, no, uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, lots of lots of amazing things happening in the world, and I always think about that when I watch the news, I wonder what, what I'm looking at, what I'm seeing, and whether I'm hearing it correctly, and what, whether I'm seeing what God is doing, or if they're just not reporting what God is doing. Um, and uh, there's other things happening in our lives, too, that impact us. And I hope that even as we have sung this morning um, some of the songs, I hope they minister to you as you think through who you are and what's going on in your life. Um, trust my Savior, Jesus. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Uh, uh, simply trust him. Uh, you know, what a picture for us as a church and a time and a place and what's going on in your life and my life and then uh, looking at the world uh, to learn to trust him. And uh, this world's kind of an interesting place because uh, we're both trying to fit into the world, but we're also trying to get what we want from the world and try to, you know, figure out a way, figure out a way that we could live here and that we could get the kind of life that we want in this time and this place. And sometimes uh, we get in that, that phase of like, I need to upgrade my life. I need to move. I need to get a new car. I need to get some different kids. Where, where do I go to the, you know, I go to the kid trader store, you know. I, I, you know. 
uh, <laughs> I just thought of a picture, you know, rolling down to the elementary school here, and it's his child pickup area and stuff like that, and you just grab whatever one you want, you know. Uh, but that's not how that works. Um, I, I want to tell you that, that we're always looking to get the life that we want. And this passage has some amazing truths for us, amazing truths uh, for us as we think through uh, what it is to be a Christian man or woman, uh, what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is kind of one of the themes that we've been going through in our men's, men's study on Mondays and uh, Fridays. Another commercial, please come. Uh, tomorrow's going to be our first day of the study. And then next week's going to be in the next first day and so on and so forth. Um, just come. Just come. It's been a great time. Uh, if you haven't been there, we've missed you. And uh, needless to say, you've missed being with us as well and hearing from God's word. Um, verse 1. Uh, and uh, Just three points because you always have to have three points. This morning we're going to start off first point, mercies of God. Mercies of God. Paul writes and he says this, he says, I appeal to you, or I, I, I beseech you in other translations, or therefore I, I, I want to exhort you, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. Um, when you hear that word mercies of God, and you've been with us the last uh, few uh, weeks, it may point you back real quickly to what we looked at, I think it was last week, um, where he talks about the mercies of God, where he talks about how uh, we were disobedient, the end of chapter 11, we were disobedient, and uh, Israel was disobedient, and because of Israel's disobedience, the gospel came to us as Gentiles, and we were disobedient, and in our disobedience, we received mercy. We received mercy. And why in our disobedience did we have to receive mercy? Because our disobedience deserved judgment. It deserved judgment. Um, and unless it was mercy, it couldn't have been earned, uh, the goodness of God, his kindness to us. And so really as he ties up chapter 11, he talks about this amazing picture and he praises God at the end. To him be glory forever for what? This amazing gospel, the mind of God worked out in history that we might have salvation, that God may display his mercy. God might display his mercy. And uh, you, you see that, you, you see that in the scriptures, the whole story is about God's grace, his mercy, his loving kindness coming to sinful men and sinful women. And that's the story. That's the story. And so as we look at this, uh, it's on this basis of God's mercies that he's going to appeal to them to be different kind of people. I want to tell you just by way of helping you think through the scriptures, many uh, of Many points of the scripture are put out like this, especially Paul's writings. He talks, he teaches first, he teaches first, and then he says, based upon that teaching, this is how you live. And chapter 12 represents a big turning point in what uh, the message of the book of Romans. 
And some have said this, that there's teaching in the first 11 chapters, and then 12 uh, and going further are the commands of how to live. And I want to just briefly, just, just briefly say this. Um, this is the way to transform someone's life, is to explain to them first why. Explain to them first why. And then say, based upon that, this is what needs to happen. And I want to tell you that what we're going to look at today is based upon the mercies of God. Mercies of God. And as you think through those first 11 chapters, I know I've gone over this a million times. Million and one. Today is your day. Um, In the first 11 chapters, you see the desperate condition of man both being sinful and the inability for us to fix our sin problem. We just can't do it. And, and it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what city you came from or what church you grew up in. You have an inability to fix your sin problem. You cannot be righteous. can't do it. You're not righteous, and you can't be righteous. And so what God did is he sent his son that you might be justified right with him. And so he starts out chapter 12 in and and this idea of I appeal, I appeal to you. Someone said it's somewhere between asking and commanding, that word. It's exhorting. It's, it's this strong encouragement. Uh, this is the way you live. And I, I want to tell you that Uh, God is crying out to you and saying, I I have different ways for you to live, different ways. And it's based upon my love for you. It's based upon my seeing your desperate condition and sending my son Jesus that you might have life. You might have life. We've talked about this before, but it's confusing. It's confusing. How to live a Christian life. Why? Well, because we've been living a sinful life for so long. And when we look around, everyone else is living a sinful life too. And when we go to work and we go to school and we watch the television and we we look on the internet, there's this pressure, we're going to talk about it, of a sinful world that says, hey, just do it like we're doing it. And he says, I appeal to you, not on the basis of anything else, but the mercies of God. He's highlighting gospel mercy. He's saying that is the basis for all that that, uh, I want to talk to you about. And just remember that he spoke of the desperate need of us as men and women and also the gracious, sufficient sacrifice of our Savior that we might be justified. So the mercies of God. Which brings us uh, to what he's going to command or what he's calling us to. And that's to sacrifice our bodies to God as worship. To sacrifice our bodies to God as worship. He goes on in verse 1 to say this. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present your bodies. Now, those are weird words. I know for some of you, you've heard this verse your whole life, as I have. Um, Even as a youth pastor, I taught this many, many times. And so you get familiar with these words. But these words are are like sacrificial system. 
And it's, it's interesting, too, that in the biblical times, it wasn't just the Old Testament sacrificial system that they would have been thinking about. They would have been thinking about other kinds of idols, too. And the picture is this, is bringing a sacrifice to the God that you serve. Bringing a sacrifice to the God you serve. And what was it? It was an animal. And I think it's interesting. Uh, some of you even have a tough time, you know, going to the supermarket and walking through the meat section. Some of you have a tough time, you know, unwrapping the boneless, skinless chicken, right? You know, you'd rather go to the frozen food section and get dino nuggets or something like that because it's not as great of a connection to a living thing. And that's true. Who knows what's in there? (laughs) But if you've ever been there, if you've ever been there when you've watched an animal get butchered, and, and, and it's one thing to do a chicken. I don't want to get too much into this. I know too much. Uh, but a chicken and, and, or, or, or an animal that's smaller, that's smaller. It's, it's kind of an you know, amazing thing. But when you look at a larger animal and you realize uh, how much blood is involved, and there was never a picture on these sacrifices where people didn't understand as they watched that a living thing was dying, a living thing that was dying. And so we're going to have a butcher day here at Bear Valley Church out in the parking lot. You need to get signed off. You need to go to at least one of them. No. Uh, and so there was this sacrificial picture that, they were, uh, that, that Paul was bringing them to based upon the mercies of God. He says this, sacrifice, sacrifice. And, and, and we know about sacrifice. We, we know about the word. It's the idea of taking something and giving it up, giving it up. But this is the big sticking point in this passage that connects a few things that we don't really um, connect with. It says, you need to sacrifice. And you say, okay, I'm with you. What am I going to sacrifice? Your bodies. Your bodies. And I, I find the feeling of, in the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac, I don't know if you remember the story in chapter 22 where uh, Abraham's going up to sacrifice his son and his son Isaac says to him, hey dad, hey dad, I, I see the wood, I see the fire, I know we're going to sacrifice. What are we going to sacrifice? Where's the lamb that we're going to do this? And and. Abraham says to his son, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. He'll provide for himself. And now in the New Testament, uh, a very, I don't want to say a very different story, but it, it, once again, it's the sacrifice, okay? And Paul says, you know, based on the mercies of God, he says, we're going to do a sacrifice. And you can imagine me and you saying this, okay, what are we going to sacrifice? What? What are we going to kill? And God says through Paul, it's you. It's you. You're going to be the one. But it's going to be different. It's going to be different. You will be a living sacrifice. Now, sacrifices, sacrifices were alive 
and then they were dead, right? That was part of bringing the sacrifice. They were a living animal full of life, and then they were killed, and they no longer had life. And that was the sacrifice. Now, he's doing something different. He says this, you will be a living sacrifice. It'll be you. It'll be your body. And, and I want you to make sure you don't get hung up on that idea of body. Um, so uh, sometimes we separate our person from our body. I want to tell you that I don't think that's what's going on in this passage. I think what he's saying is, it's you. It's all that you are. All that is enclosed in your body. All your days, all your moments, all your time. You're going to be the one to be the sacrifice. It's interesting. Uh, we think of wartime or even some kind of catastrophe, and we see things of people doing heroic things where you know they, they jump on a grenade or they push somebody out and they sacrifice their life for uh, somebody else. And it's this sacrifice. It's a, it's a momentary, heroic time. I want to tell you, That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about your life. It's talking about who you are, your person, your days. It's about you. And so he says, uh, what you are called to do is to present your bodies. And this idea of presenting your bodies is taking your life willingly And the picture of saying, here, here it is. Here's what I have. Here's who I am to present my body as a living sacrifice. Now, someone said this, and it's been repeated over and over again, and it's such a great line, and I love it. Do you know the problem with living sacrifices? They tend to crawl off the altar. (laughs) I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about what God has done for you and view the mercies of God in your life and what he has brought you to. And then to think about your days, your moments, your thoughts, your plans, your desires, your dreams, your kids, your marriage, your job, whatever it is that you think embodies who you are and what's going on. And he says, that, that is a sacrifice, but it's a living sacrifice. And so from here until the end, your life will be a sacrifice to me. A living sacrifice. And then he describes it. He describes uh, some things about uh, this sacrifice. First of all, he already told us it was a living sacrifice. And then he said, it's holy, it's holy And that word holy, most of you know what that means. It means set apart, set apart. And it's set apart for what? You know, it's set apart from both the that which is dirty or profane, but also from that which is common, that which is common. Uh, You think about the things that you have, the possessions that you have in life. And, uh, and there's, there's always things that are special only for certain things. And then there are things that are common. And then there are things you don't care about at all. They're just trash. 
And the things you don't care about as trash, you're like looking for an opportunity to offload them to somebody else, right? Um, you, you say, you know, boy, um, you know, uh, we need to start a fire. And they say, well, use that cabinet right over there, right? Uh, that thing's ugly. I've been looking for a way to get rid of it. Chop it up and use it for kindling, right? It's just trash. But then there are other things that you look at and you go, well, um, I don't love them. I don't love them. They're just common. And so they can be used for anything. I guess I don't really care about those. But then there are things that are special. And you say, that, don't touch that. Grandkids are coming over. Put it away, right? You know, love my grandkids, but not that much, right? You know, or, or, or this idea. Sometimes we even do that with our spouse, right? That's my special thing. Don't touch it, Okay. You know, you won't let your husband or your wife drive your car, right? Because uh, you're afraid. If you crash it, you want to crash it yourself, right? You, you want to do that. But, but it's this idea of protecting something for something special. And, and what's fascinating to me is this, that having been saved, having been a filthy sinner, having been saved, been taken from being unrighteous to righteous, been justified. He says, now you're a living sacrifice, and you know what you are? You're holy. You're holy. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done in you. You are holy. And so if you're holy, it's not just talking about your character, it's talking about what is your life for. It's to be a living sacrifice. And so I, I just say this, just you know, not to uh, apply too soon, but I, I want to say this. There are things that you should look at in life and go, ah, they're fine. I could do that. There are things that you lo- should look at in your life and say, I shouldn't do that no matter what. You know, that's the trash. That's the, that's the trash sort of life. But there are other things that are just common that everyone's doing that you should look at and say, I could do that, but that's not why God has saved me. He hasn't saved me for that. Why? Because I'm holy. I'm set apart for him. Holy. I'm a living sacrifice that's holy. And then lastly, he says this, and he uses this word, um, acceptable to God. Acceptable to God. And and. And this is, this is the picture, if you can see it this way. There's a sacrifice, there's a sacrifice that the one bringing the sacrifice has decided this is what they want to sacrifice. There was a priest or someone helping them. And I said, oh yeah, this is the right one. But ultimately, that sacrifice was meant to be accepted as worship by God. That, that it's not just about the giver, It's about the one who receives. And it says this of you and I being living sacrifices. This is what God wants, but not just what he wants, but what he will receive. He will receive as worship. That's what he says. This is your spiritual worship. We use that term worship, and it's used in a lot of different ways, but uh, I want to... Many of you have already thought this through and been taught this before, but what is worship? Is worship singing? I hope so. I hope it is, yeah. 
that's what it should be, right? You know, as we sing, we got something to sing about. We have someone to sing to. We're singing of how great he is. I hope it is. Is praying worship? Is studying his word worship? How about, uh, how about cleaning the garage? Is that worship? Depends how nice your garage is, right? No, it's not. How about going to work? How about going to school? How about getting married? How about f- fulfilling your marriage vows? How about uh, raising kids? How about disciplining kids? How about, you know, f- your recreation? The, the idea of playing golf and the, the idea of playing sports and being with friends. and it, What is worship? And I want to tell you, this passage kind of breaks down the dividers of what is life and what is worship and saying this, that your whole life is meant to be worship to God. Why? Because it's based upon the mercies of God, that he saved you in such a dramatic fashion in such a costly way that now our life is meant to be a living sacrifice to him. And so we see that we are called, commanded, if you will, uh, to be, have our bodies be a living sacrifice, which brings us to verse two, that we would know and live the will of God. Know and live the will of God. He says, verse two, he says, in a negative, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Old translation, the Phillips translation, uh, my mom had one of these and she would talk about this all the time. And this one famous verse, uh, verse two, uh, it's translated, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Squeeze you into its mold. And the picture is this. The picture is this. You, you look at it, and it, you can say it a lot of different ways, but it's the square peg in the round hole. And he says, you know, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It's not the right one. So give me a big hammer, and I'll just wail on it until it fits. I'll, I'll just do that. And, and the picture here is this, is that the world is doing that to you and to me and to everybody. They're taking people, they're taking people and they say, you are going to fit into the mold that we have. You are. Uh, we're going to get you to conform. We're going to get you to go with the flow. We're going to, you know, make you one of the lemmings, you know, that are going to run into the ocean. That's a funny thing, right? You know, uh, for those of you who are part of my era, Walt Disney had a great uh, bit of the running of the lemmings and that they would run into the ocean and throw themselves and die in suicide because they were all excited. And it's not true. It's not true, but it's a great, it's a great little bit movie thing. And, and I, I want you to get this picture is that Everyone's running in a direction. Everyone's losing their mind. Everyone's doing the same thing. And that's the conformity of this world that says, get in line, start running. Don't worry about why. Don't worry about the idea of, you know, what does God want me to do? Don't think about that. Just conform. Just conform. 
I, I don't want to talk too much about this, but in the last couple of years, the whole world has been pressured to conform. I want to know how many people's lives were saved. I want to know by those stickers in Home Depot that say, stand here, stand here. How many people were saved because of the stickers? I want to tell you, it's not that we shouldn't obey. It's not that we shouldn't do what's right. But you should ask the question all the time. Is my conforming to whatever I'm being pressured to conform to, is this what God wants me to do? Or is this what the world wants me to do? Why? Well, because my life has been changed. My life has been changed. I want to read to you First uh, John chapter 2. I know you ladies, I feel like you even went over this in this last week. But this is what it says. Uh, Do not love the world or, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then it says this. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever, abides forever. So moving back to verse 16, uh, how, how does the world run? What is the, the method or you know, how, how does the world do its thing that it does? It is the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life. That's how the world runs. That's its method. And it, it, be careful. It, it's not just talking about, like, the world, like, nature and this and, you know. how it, It's talking about the world's system, the world's system. And I want to tell you, uh, you say, well, I'm just playing the game. I want to tell you, if you play the game, you'll be driven by these three things. That's the conformity. I, I hear it all the time. I hear it from our young people all the time. I heard it last week in church here. Where I was talking, you know, I was talking to uh, one, of the, one of our young people, and they, they were saying, well, you know, you know, I'm in this situation, I'm being trained, and boss and this and that and and I encouraged them about their job and they said well that's how you make all your money that's how you make all your money what is that how does the world train you through money right overtime right side hustle you can make more money you can make more money if you make more money it's good It's good to make more money. That's a value. And I want to say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed. Money is not bad in and of itself. You should make money. You should provide for your family. You should provide not just for your family, but you should be a giver to God's work, to what he's doing. But the idea of someone being able to push you in such a way because you're in love with money. That's the really, don't be in love with money. Don't be in love with this world. Why? Because it'll conform you. It'll squeeze you. 
What ways are, are we, does the world desire, I don't want to say the enemy, desire to conform us to this world? Money, marriage, what is marriage? What is, what is marriage, right? And sometimes, you know, the simple things, we got the simple things, but what is marriage to you? What is marriage to you? And who has shaped that idea? Is it God or is it this world? Right? Marriage is meant to be a lifelong partnership. If that's not your picture, where'd you get that? I want to tell you, you've been conformed to the world to one degree or another. What about your parenting? All the, you know, your kids are going to do this to you. Moses did this to his parents, okay? Um, in the Old Testament, he said, all the other kids are doing it. Everyone else has an iPhone. That's what he told his mom and dad, Moses, in the Old Testament, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I want to tell you, you, you should, in your heart and mind, you should say, I feel like the world right now is trying to conform me. I need to figure out what God wants. I, as God's child, by the mercies of God, he did a work in my life that I could not do for myself. He, he made me righteous when I was unrighteous. He justified me at the cost of his son. He did a work in me. So I, I don't go back to that. I'm not being conformed to this world. I'm not going to be squeezed into its mold. My parenting is going to be different. My marriage is going to be different. My work is going to be different. Why? Because that's the old day. And it says this. And he puts side by side. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. Changed. Transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but, but I do want to say this. Your mind, your mind is the battleground. It is the battleground. And, and if your mind were a computer, it would be a small one. No, uh, but uh, uh, if our minds, if you think in terms of before and after, uh, before, what is our mind being What's happening to our mind? It's being conformed. It's being shaped and molded and, and packed in just like everybody else. And that, that's the, the picture. It's this mold is just like everybody else. Driven by money and greed and pride and these other things. Driven by that. Now, what's the deal? What's happening to our mind? What's happening to our computer? Well, it's being reprogrammed. Being reprogrammed. And, and how long will this reprogramming take, right? Uh, we're updating the software. We're updating it. It's going to take a while. I, I want to tell you, if you look at this passage and you see it as reprogramming, how long will it take you? A lifetime. A lifetime. And I, I want to say it this way. A lifetime of ambitious energy given to it. I, I want to tell you that um, every time we sin, every time we struggle in any certain way, it should be a trigger in our own heart and saying, I need to get reprogrammed. I got some glitches that need to be taken care of. 
I, I got some stuff that needs to happen in me, and so I need to pursue it. I need to pursue it. That means you getting into God's word, getting into it, hearing from God. And, and, and it's not just learning the scripture. I want to be real careful here. I, I know that some of us desire to be good Bible scholars. That's not what the word of God is all about, to be Bible scholars. You know, that you can do really well on a test and get 100%. And know how to pronounce all those names of all those places and people of the old. Like, like, that's not what it's about. It's about your transformation. Your reprogramming. It's that the mind of God would now be the mind of Kevin. Not because I was smart enough. It was just simply that I agree with God now. Where before I was agreeing with this world that's perishing. And so as we see this, know this, that your life is meant to be transformed and the way it is is through the renewal of your mind. Um, this, this is an amazing few verses because it says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then it says that by testing you may discern and, and, and what it is, it's this picture that this now, this renewed mind, this changed mind that's been reprogrammed, now is going about looking upon the decisions and the steps ahead of them. And it's able to uh, test, discern, decide between one and the other, one and the other. And a lot of times, it's not just one and the other, right, uh, as we look at the choices of life it's 50 it's 50 right and you say well how am I going to choose and to pick one out of 50 I want to tell you that's the renewed mind that God has instructed through his word his people even as Zach shared today of iron sharpening iron what an important verse for us this picture here is that we now are able to test and discern what the will of God how, how, how does the world decide what to do? How does the world decide what to do? What's the big question that people have given over to the world? How do they make decisions? What do I want to do? I'll just do whatever I want to do. Or I'll do what I'm told to do. I'll do what I'm told to do. And when you... There's a great benefit of doing what you're told to do. You know what it is? You can always blame somebody, right? You know, my dumb boss, you know. Government did this, and it's not my fault. Uh, my spouse told me to do it, right? Uh, uh, the, the picture here is this, that this transformed mind that's no longer just doing what we want to do, but it's also not doing what somebody else, it's not doing what everybody else is doing. It's not doing that. It's simply looking for what does God want me to do? The will of God. His instructions before we take a step. That's what this is talking about here. His path before us as we decide, what am I going to use this life for? We're looking for the will of God. Interestingly enough, in 1 John, what was the end result of that? The will of God, right? 
uh, that, that you desire the will of God. And, and I want to tell you that th- this is the simplicity and the beauty of following after Christ. Is that we're just simply looking for God's will. And, and how is this working out? It's a battle for the mind. And, and what's going on between the renewed mind and the old mind is this. That when the mind is renewed, uh, we're now thinking the way God wants us to think. We're thinking the way God wants us to think. We're, we're valuing what he already values in this life and in our hearts. I think it's funny, uh, you know, in, in arrogance and argu- being argumentative, people say often, they say something and then they say, change my mind, change my mind. And I want to tell you, uh, in humility, in humility, we should go to the Lord all the time and say, change my mind. Please change my mind. Uh, I, I've, like, I've got so many dumb thoughts in my mind right now. God, please change my mind. Change my mind. And so now I can think new thoughts. Now, I want to I, I talk to you just briefly because I think that this is an amazing conclusion to th- these couple of verses. Um, so what is the barrier between us being a living sacrifice, you know, us being what God wants us to be, and doing something else? You say, well, I'll have to give up. I'll have to give up. What do you have to give up? Your own ideas, yourself, your, your days, your moments, right? Your decisions. And, and in our minds and hearts, and I would say even in the young people here, uh, one of the things when you're young, you say, I, I would follow God, but what if I do? What will happen to me? I, you know, Will God be good to me? I I sometimes think, you know, like I got some great ideas for myself. But if I I trust the Lord and I'm that living sacrifice that the scripture tells me, won't he mess up my life? Won't he give me the things that I don't want? What about all my desires and what I want for myself? It seems like God won't give me those things. I want to tell you what God's will is. This is so powerful. What God's will is is this. It's it's ending up in verse 2, chapter 12, verse 2. And what is the will of God? It's good, acceptable, and perfect. Good, acceptable, and perfect. And I I, I always look at this and I go, well, is that to God or is that to me? I want to tell you, it just is. It just is. It it just is good, acceptable, and perfect. And and when I say it just is, it means that of course it is to God. Of course it is. After he renews your mind, after he renews your mind and he, he does that renewal work and as you follow after his will, of course it is to God. It's good, acceptable, and perfect. But the beauty of this passage and the beauty of following after Christ is this. That this beauty of following the will of God will now make the outcome of my life good and acceptable and perfect to me. 
I, I want to tell you that God will bless your life as you follow him, as you, or that living sacrifice that he has saved you to be. He will bless your life in ways that you could never have found apart from him. I hope that this morning as we have looked at this passage, you've been challenged in just the simple way of saying this. God, you saved me, so now I'm yours. Now I'm yours. I'm a living sacrifice. Whatever you want, I'll follow you. I'll seek to find your will, and as you transform my mind, I'll be able to see it, and we'll find it to be good, acceptable, and perfect. Why? Because you've done it, not me. I I think most of the time, uh, when we do something, everybody can tell, right? Everybody can tell. You say, oh, I did this all by myself, and it shows, shows. It's real clear. Yeah, (laughs) you didn't have to sign it down at the bottom because it has your fingerprints all over it. I want to tell you that God has a life for you that he saved you for. It's far greater than you could ever imagine. God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of being in your word. Um, God, help us to know what it is to live this way, to live as a living sacrifice to you. May we worship you with all that you've given us, the days, the moments from here until you take us home. God, thank you for your love for us. you saving us, justifying us when we needed you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.